Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 201. In this episode, you're going to hear from Elisa Locke. Money has always been Elisa's thing. In her professional life, Elisa's career in insurance and financial services industry gave her a strong foundation in financial concepts, such as budgeting and investing. But it was her own financial journey going from broke or going from a broke single mother with $60,000 in debt in her early 30s to being able to comfortably retire in her early 50s. That compelled her to become a financial coach. Elisa believes that anyone become a mas- or can become a master of their money if they change their mindset and behavior and money or behavior around money. So definitely stay tuned. I know that you're going to love this episode. But really quick, can you celebrate with me? I'm so excited. And apparently my husky Kono is excited too because he's breathing into the microphone. (laughs) Not sure if you can hear it. But I am so stinking excited from Broke to Badass. The release of my new book is out today on Amazon. So definitely check it out. It's been such a journey and I'm just excited. And yeah, I want you to read it because I know that if you're in debt, if you want to make a plan for your retirement, that this is going to be the thing to help you. So check out From Broke to Badass today. Um, You can find it on Amazon. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I am so glad you're here. Today's guest is Elisa Locke. Elisa, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. My pleasure. So before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? I definitely consider myself badass. Um, In fact, I don't even like the word ordinary. I think we all have a little bit of badass in us somewhere that can take on lots of different forms, but definitely would consider myself badass. I love it. I love it when people just own it. (laughs) So have you always felt like a badass? Oh, definitely not. Um, I, I think um, there were times in my life where I felt uh, insecure and I felt unworthy um, and I felt, um, you know, that I didn't have my stuff together, frankly. <laughs> um, so it's been a transformation um, and, and a long time coming. But I have to say that even in my darkest moments, when I did have lots of feelings of maybe self-doubt, there were parts of me that always had the confidence somewhere deep down in there to move forward. So I would say 
somewhere I always felt a little bit of a badass. <laughs> and so was there anything like any major trigger points? I know you said you've always felt like deep down that somewhere there was always a badass, but I think something we often wonder is, is it one incident that made you feel like a badass? Is it a series of events? For, for me, it definitely, I would say it's a journey to badass. There were, there were, when I was younger in my early thirties, I was in a situation where um, I found myself a divorced uh, single mom living paycheck to paycheck. And I had left that marriage with about $60,000 of debt and no savings. And I remember very clearly that being a very difficult time for me, even though it was frankly a pretty amicable divorce. You know, my ex-husband and I, you know, we're still pretty friendly even today. So it wasn't like this horrible, messy, you know, ugly, traumatic, you know, kind of thing. I just was in a really bad financial place. And I can remember very clearly just, you know, staring at the ceiling at night, laying in bed, thinking to myself, how am I ever going to get out of this situation? Like, how did I even get here? I know better, right? How did this happen? And feeling very hopeless. Um, like, how, is my, how am I ever going to have the things that I want in life? And how am I ever going to be able to provide for my daughter the way that I wanted to. And that was really a low point for me. But um, slowly and surely, I really started to think about my mindset and my behavior and my relationship with my money. And I did start doing, you know, some, I, I started learning about money and changing my habits and changing my mindset. And once I was able to put a plan in place and put one step in front of the other, that's when I started to feel like more of a badass. <laughs> I love it. And the next thing I was going to ask, which you probably talked about it just a little bit, but um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I um, grew up in the New York area, you know, very happy childhood, very you know, kind of traditional upbringing. My dad worked, my mom stayed at home, went off to college, you know, did all the things I kind of thought I was supposed to do, married a guy that um, I had known since second grade. And unfortunately, marriage didn't work out. And um, like I said, became a divorced single mom. And part of my journey was I've always been very entrepreneurial in nature. I've always just saw myself as a small business owner. So I had a series of small businesses in my life. I owned a collection agency, believe it or not, not a very traditional thing for a woman. <laughs> I was part of a um, startup. This was back in oh early 90s. Um, that was in the auto industry. I was a mortgage officer. I was a State Farm agent. I worked for State Farm Corporate for a while. I was able to uh, retire early in my early 50s, and I'm now a financial coach. My company is Money Mentor Group, and I work with people who are struggling in some way with both their mindset and their behavior with their money. So that might mean you know, trying to budget but not being able to stick to a budget. It can mean having a lot of debt and just not being able to figure out how to get rid of that debt. 
It can mean overspending and, uh, you know, needing a coach to help them understand why they overspend and how to correct that behavior. It, I work with couples who have communication issues around money, and I work with people who've experienced money trauma. Um, so all of that goes under the umbrella of being a money coach. I'm, um, I am remarried, by the way, um, just tell you a little about my personal life, I'm married for 20 years. I have four children and um, I live in the Washington DC area. So you mentioned earlier that you owned a collection agency. What did you learn from that experience? <laughs> uh, that was my first entrepreneurial venture. And, um, oh, I learned a, a number of things. I learned that being an entrepreneur is much harder than I ever thought. <laughs> and I think most entrepreneurs would probably say that. I learned that there's a lot of juggling that goes um, on with being an entrepreneur, especially when you're a parent and an entrepreneur. And um, I learned that... Um, you know, in, in order to be an, a successful entrepreneur, you have to have systems in place for everything that you do. Because if you try to run a business by the, you know, seat of your pants, it's never going to work as well as if you have, you know, systems in place for how you do things. So those were some of the early lessons I learned um, in my first entrepreneurial venture, venture, which was the collection agency. So do you have any tips for people that are, that are in collections? Yeah, I would say um, pay attention <laughs> to it and don't, don't run away from your creditors or avoid your creditors because that doesn't help the problem. They will find you. They have you know, many legal rights, as does the consumer when it comes to settling that debt. So it's much better to call the creditor and try to work out a situation, a payment plan, deuced amount that you owe. Many creditors are willing to negotiate. And so don't avoid it. Don't run from it. Address it. Work with it. And that will you know, be much more beneficial for you. I will tell you that just this week, some very uh, major news came out when it comes to credit that I'll share with your, your listeners. All three of the major um, credit reporting agencies, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion announced that if you have a medical debt of less than $500, that is no longer going to appear on your credit report. And that's huge because sometimes these small medical debts would really damage somebody's credit. So that's really important. The other thing that they announced is, and this is taking place, I believe, in the fall of 2023, is that right now a medical debt will go on your credit report when it's uh, six months in arrears. And now it, they've extended it to one year, giving people more time to pay before it shows up on your credit report. So really major news that will help people because your, your credit is not only super important if you're trying to get a loan, but people don't realize it affects your car insurance. It affects your ability to sometimes gain employment and it affects your ability to sometimes rent an apartment. So it's pretty big. So what do you tell your clients when 
they are in debt themselves. They have a lot of other debt and they're having problem keeping up on those, but they also have stuff in collections. Yeah. The whole concept when you have debt is to make a plan and make a strategy because just the uh, process of making a plan or a strategy to pay off your debt will make you feel so much less stressed and so much more empowered over your money. So that's the first thing. The second thing is there's lots of different debt payoff strategies out there. Some of them, some of the methods say, oh, the best thing to do is to pay off the debt that has the highest interest rate first, because mathematically that's costing you the more, the most, right? Some people say, take a small, your smallest debt and work on that first, because you'll be able to pay that off pretty quickly. And that will start to build a lot of positive energy and momentum, and you'll feel motivated to keep going. You know, some, some theories say pay off your debt that has the highest monthly payment first, because, you know, that's impacting your other, you know, financial obligations the most. So there's lots of different payoff strategies. My opinion is that you should pick the payoff strategy that you connect with on an emotional level the most, the one that resonates with you, because that's the one you'll be able to stick with. Because paying off debt's hard, right? It means sacrifice. So pick whichever method resonates with you the most, because that's the one you'll be able to stick with. But pick one debt, put all your extra money towards that one debt, and then knock that one out and move to the next one. That is a better strategy than trying to put an extra, you know, 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. You, you seem to never get ahead that way. Yeah. And I would add to that and say, you know, there's no shame if you pick one strategy and you try it for a couple of months or something and it's just not working for you. There's no shame in like switching to another one. But I agree, like the important thing is sticking to one like one debt and like going all in on that one debt first and just paying the minimum on everything else. So I agree with that. Exactly. 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 And know that you're not alone. You know, we in America, we've really normalized debt. You know, we, we finance everything, right? It's, we finance our cars, we finance our, you know, we, our homes, we, you know, we're on payment plans for everything, right? And um, the problem with that is that we then have a lifestyle where we have all these monthly obligations and it makes it very hard to save. So really putting together a spending and savings plan or a budget is really important to gaining control over your money as opposed to your money controlling you. So can you talk a little bit about the money like the money mindset piece, because I know there can be a lot of shame around money, a lot of embarrassment, and we don't want to talk about it. It's not really something that's talked about openly, but what does our mindset have to do with our money and our spending? Oh, mindset is everything. My mindset is, is 80% of the work that you're going to need to do. And one of the first things that I tell my clients is to think about your money story. So everybody has a money story, right? And your money story is formulated by the messages that you heard and saw around money growing up. 
These were messages you got from your parents around money, from your peers around money, the environment in which you lived, your community. It could even be messages around money that you got from your religion or your culture. And that formulated how you think about money as an adult. So for example, right, if you were told as a child and and saw as a child, the message of we can't afford it, right? We don't have money, we can't afford it, we're paycheck to paycheck, right? Then you may have a kind of a scarcity mindset as an adult around money versus if you saw your parents spending, 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 spending and never saving, right? you might think, oh, well, that's what you do with money, right? So think about your money story and how that impacts your behavior today. The other thing I would say is to really think about how you talk to yourself around money and what kind of money mantras you tell yourself. So here's an example. A lot of people I work with will say, you know, I deserve to go out shopping on the weekend because I had a really stressful week, right? I need some retail therapy. Or they'll say, you know, I deserve that vacation, even though I know I don't have the money for it because, you know, we just came out of the pandemic, life is stressful, you know, et cetera. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And yes, you do deserve self-care. And yes, you do deserve to take care of yourself but you also deserve to have money in the bank. You also deserve to have financial security. You also deserve to be able to retire someday. So think about this I deserve mantra that you say to yourself because it can either be very damaging or very positive. The other kind of mindset thing when we talk about you know, how, how we, we talk to ourselves is when we say it's only. So we might say, oh, I can go grab lunch, right? Instead of bringing my lunch, it's only $12, right? Or I can stop at Starbucks for a coffee. It's only five bucks, right? Or, you know, I can get Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, you know, whatever. It's only, right? But all of these, it's onlys add up, right? And we, use, we also use that term, it's only, to self-sabotage ourselves. So we'll say you know, oh, I only paid off an extra $100 on my credit card. Well, if we take that word out and we say, I paid off an extra $100 on my credit card, yay me, right? That sounds so much better. So be careful around the language that, you know, I think we, we used. And the last thing is make sure you're not equating your net worth with your self-worth because those two are not connected. So I, I hope that helps. Yes, absolutely. And that's so important. It's like, I feel like we need to say it again for the people in the back, <laughs> like not equating your net worth with your self-worth. Uh, it's so easy to like get tied down or get bogged down by that, but it is a good reminder. Do you have anything that you say to yourself to keep yourself like either money mantras or things to keep yourself with a positive outlook with money? You know, I, it, it's not that there's one thing that I say to myself, but I will say this. I always feel like there's this little guy sitting on my shoulder and this little guy, I call him Pierre. I don't know why, but this little guy either whispers constructive things in my ear 
or destructive things in my ear. And it's not just about money, right? He can whisper in my ear, you know, messages that cause me to feel insecure or have self-doubt or, you know, that I'm not being a badass, right? And when he is whispering those things in my ear, I flick him off my shoulder. Sometimes he sits on my shoulder and he's cheering me on and he's saying, you can do it. And he's saying, oh, you're a smart cookie, right? And, and then I allow him to sit on my shoulder. So that's kind of, for me, kind of a little mindset trick. I just envision this little guy sitting on my shoulder. Nice. <laughs> so earlier you mentioned this whole thing about your money story and noticing the money story that you're telling yourself and kind of where you got your money story. So I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, so an example that comes to my mind, this is what I noticed for myself was my parents had six kids and my dad worked and my mom stayed at home because she had six kids. Right. So they were always hard, like financial hardship, right? Because one income, six kids, there you go. <laughs> um, so I kind of let that story bleed into my life, even though I don't have any kids and I make more money than they make, but you kind of, if you don't think about it or question it, you know, you just kind of take on the same beliefs, but then what do you do from there? You recognize the story. What do you do from there? Um, well, I think you need to think about exactly what that story is, right? Because this helps you understand why you do what you do with your money. So I think when you think about your family situation, you need to think about, well, what messages did that family situation and those family dynamics, what messages did it send me around about money? So for example, are the messages that you think you saw and heard around money messages of you have to be frugal, right? Or was it you have to save for a rainy day, you know? Or was it maybe even, you know, money is the root of all evil, right? The, I mean, again, I don't know what they are for you, but really think about what those messages are. And then think about how that impacts your relationship with money today. Um, so for, for me, one of the messages that I heard at growing up was a message of you don't need to buy anything extra because any extra money you have, you need to save, right? You need to invest, you need to save. And I always thought we were poor because we didn't buy a lot of clothes. We didn't go on vacations. And for a time, we were a one-car family. So I thought we were poor and it wasn't that we were poor. It's just my parents were big savers. And so now the way that's impacted me is when I spend, I often spend with guilt, even though I have the money, right? I mean, I have the money to spend and I'm still investing, right? But when I spend money, you know, I run to TJ Maxx and buy a couple shirts, right? I have the money to pay for it, right? But I feel guilty, Right. And so I, you know, so that's how, you know, so I need, you know, again, it, it takes a lot of really, you know, peeling back that onion to figure all of this out. But when you think about those messages you heard, think about what they were and how that has impacted your mindset and behavior as an adult. It sounds like 
peeling back the onion, but then once you realize like, oh, you know, I got a message that I need to save, save, save. Then when you feel like save, save and saving, like you can be, you can question it, not just like accept it as truth. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I would say no matter what your relationship with money is today, um, one, you can change your relationship with money. So if you find that there's, um, you know, a, a part of that relationship, you know, whether it's a philosophy around money or an emotion around money or a behavior around money that you're really not happy with, you can change it, right? That's the beauty of going from ordinary to badass, right? Right. You, you have the power to make those changes in yourself. Um, and it's the same thing with money, really. So, yeah. So sometimes when it comes to making changes, we have a tough time sticking with it right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so whether it's creating a budget or like spending less, how do you, how do you make those changes and actually be able to stick with it? That's such a great question. I think putting your um, new plan in writing or some kind of visual is important because so many of us are visual. So it reminds us when we're doing hard work, what we are working towards. So um, one of the things I do with my clients early on in the process is we put together a money vision board. So um, a vision board for your listeners who don't know what that is, it's just a visual representation of your hopes and dreams and goals, right? And, um, you know, you, you just make pictures, words that represent whatever. Um, and so it reminds us by having that visual of, the reason behind the hard work. So I always say, you know, write, write something down or make a vision board and that will help. Second of all, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And when you're trying to change behavior, I think a mistake that people make is all of a sudden radically changing behavior. And that's very hard to stick with, whether you're on a financial journey or a weight loss journey or a relationship journey or whatever the case may be. So making small incremental cha changes in your behavior and then celebrating when you, you actually execute on that, you know, patting yourself on the back. And then once that becomes semi-comfortable, you can then, you know, crack it up a notch and go to kind of that next step. And it's the same thing with money. Yes. It's like, give yourself grace, you know, <laughs> it's so easy to beat ourselves up, but like, just give yourself grace because you're learning something new. You, I don't know. I think that's awesome. So let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. Yeah, I would say recognize that um, you have the power within you to change your money situation if, if that's what you desire to do. And whether that's um, earning more, because sometimes that's part of the equation, or whether it's changing your situation so you have the ability to spend less or whether it's getting financial education so that you can learn how to save and invest, right? All of these things are 100% within your power to do so. And just have the confidence to start moving in that direction today. And I promise you, once you start you know, putting one foot in front of the other, 
you will feel like a badass with your money. So Alisa, if somebody wants to connect with you, find out how they can feel like more of a badass with their money, how can they do so? Um, I would love for them to connect with me. Our website is www.moneymentorgroup.com. You can also find us on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, So would love for them to connect with us. Thank you so much, Elisa. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.